Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 386, and today I am super fired up. Not just fired up, I'm super fired up because I met a guy at Seller Summit. His name is Jason Bear, and I'm going to have him on the show. And what blew me away is that, well, number one, he's a podcast listener. He's like, hey, Scott, big fan. I'm listening to your podcast. I actually take your podcast and I hand it off to people that are that are within our brand, but team members, and I have them learn this one thing just from listening to your podcast. And we've done that. And, uh, and it's made improvements to the brand. It's actually scaled the brand on Amazon and helped them to do that, which kind of blew me away. Now, obviously, they have to do the work. But what also blew me away is that the stuff that we talk about, it works really good with small businesses, you know, startups in a sense, but it also works with with brands that are already seven-figure brands. And that's what he does. He runs seven-figure brands and he gets them to grow, to scale, build out teams, all of that stuff. So that's why I'm super excited to have him on. And I don't really want to waste a lot of time here in the beginning because we talk for a little while here, and uh, we dig deep into promotional strategies, what they've done in the past, what has worked, what hasn't worked, what they're going to do for Prime Day coming up, which if you're listening to this after Prime Day, it doesn't matter. You're still going to understand these strategies. He also talks about a way to drive external traffic to a page in the middle that's on Amazon, but not directly to their listing, which is a pretty cool thing that he kind of introduced to me, which I'm going to be trying. So again, guys, you can tell I'm fired up. I want you guys to listen to this episode all the way through. We're probably going to have to do another update with him because he's doing a lot of cool things that he's going to share with us. This episode is 386, so the show notes can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 386. And like I said, there is going to be a lot of meat here, so you're going to probably want to definitely download those, the transcripts, the show notes, all that stuff will be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 386. So guys, I'm going to stop talking so you guys can start listening to this conversation that I have with Jason Bear. I also had Chris Schaefer on because he was there at the lunch that we had together and that we talked and uh, you're going to hear his take on all this stuff too. And it's always nice to have Chris there to kind of pick apart someone's business. And that's why I wanted to have him on this call as well. So guys, sit back, relax and enjoy and get ready to be blown away. Well, hey, Jason, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Very well. Yeah, man. I'll tell you what. When uh, when we got back from Seller Summit, um, I was pretty fired up that we had finally got to meet in person. Uh, you have got a ton going on here as far as uh, different tests and different things that you guys are doing inside of of the businesses that you're working with. And uh, yeah, I just got to say, I'm, I'm fired up to be here today with you and really dig into that. We also have Chris Schaefer on. Chris. How's it going, man? Good, man. Finally, finally recovered from the little trip that we have and uh, ready to jump back in and be back at it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited, uh, obviously, here to to talk about this stuff with Jason because there's a lot Jason's doing. So, Jason, why don't you why don't you fill people in on, on a little bit about uh, how you even got into this Amazon game and um, maybe even about a, a little bit of our conversation and how we we hooked up in uh, Fort Lauderdale at Seller Summit. Yeah, no problem. Um, so yeah, I've been in the Amazon business now for probably about eight years. You know, I'm uh, I work uh, with a pretty established uh, direct-to-consumer e-commerce business, and uh, you know, we've been on Amazon for eight years, and we kind of just had this product fee going and just seeing what's going on there. And then I would say about a year ago, I really uh, 
jumped into listening to your podcast and uh, I was like, there's something bigger here than what we're doing. There's something, uh, there's driving traffic, there's optimizing it, there's really understanding how to play in the Amazon space. And uh, I would say you're, um, you guys have been uh, the ones that have really motivated uh, myself and my team to really uh, push the envelope and uh, really explore the opportunities of Amazon, be it sponsored products, be it building a list, be it uh, driving some uh, traffic to Amazon and really playing in the, in the Amazon space and really understanding what they're doing there and being uh, pl- playing uh, by their terms and service and really understanding how to maximize the Amazon opportunity that's out there. Yeah. And I mean, you're no small player either, by the way. Let's uh, let's kind of give people just a little bit, I mean, of, of what we're talking about here. I mean, your numbers are, are kind of crazy. I mean, share whatever you think that you can share. Um, but uh, just so people understand, we're not talking about like one little little rinky dink company. We're talking like and I was blown away um, by some of your numbers, but just blown away that, you know, the podcast has actually helped you in a sense to open your eyes up to these other things. But then also you kind of you kind of hand off the podcast episodes to, to people that are on your team now, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but just can you give us an idea of like what we're talking about here as far as like a business size? Uh, yeah, well, we are um, we've been uh, a Fortune 500 uh, company for the um, past wow. number of years. So uh, there is uh, we are a pretty established uh, company and we have uh, four brands. So um, I've uh, really been working with my team to really understand how are we going to play in the Amazon space and are they uh are they friend or foe? And uh, right now, they're definitely our friends, and we're definitely uh, knowing what that opportunity is and trying to capitalize on it. Now, I, I, so. I, I think when I when I was talking to you, you also mentioned that it was a little bit of maybe, I don't want to say friction, but a little bit of like, should we be even doing this over here? Like, should we be spending any time over there? Can you speak to that a little bit? Because in, I mean, in, in the, I guess in the the traditional mindset of like, you already had an established business. How is this putting our products on Amazon and focusing more time they're going to do anything other than, like you said, just put a feed up and let the products be kind of displayed there? Yeah, and I think the proof's in the pudding there. So you basically <laughs> start you start testing small. You start putting some products up there, and uh, the feedback comes back from the team. Why are you doing it? You're you're not making any money off of it. Well, when the results come in and, you, and the finance guy says, hey, wait we're making quite a bit more money per unit per product on Amazon than what we're doing on our own site. What's going on there? Yeah. How's that working? And, and so then start building a business model and really explaining the financial implication of what's going on here and the organic traffic that Amazon can produce. If you really know how to start that flywheel going is, uh, is pretty cool. Yeah. So why don't you, Maybe go over like what was the first thing that you guys did other than just list your products that, that you go, all right, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and test something here. I'm going to go ahead and because I mean, I'm, I'm sure you didn't test it on all of your products. You probably picked some some top products or or maybe ones that you felt that were going to do well. Is that how it worked? Yeah, we saw we picked some uh, some top products. Um, we picked, I would say, 10 products that uh, really weren't our core product line mm-hmm. um, that we were selling. They were kind of extensions of our uh of our site, of what we were doing, and uh, thought that there might be opportunity there. And uh, we really optimized the listings, um, did some sponsor products, and saw that, you know what, there's some legs here that is uh, beyond what we're, we normally can do. So um, that's really what uh, got us thinking that there's some opportunity. And then couple that with, it was a different selling experience, <clears throat> buying on Amazon versus what we were doing on our site. So we realized that there was actually 
not just the cannibalization of people jumping from our site to Amazon, but that there's a different experience and a different opportunity to buy on Amazon. So we uh, tested very small, but we actually were telling our customers to uh, to go shop on Amazon. So that really helped that flywheel going and starting to drive some of that uh, traffic to Amazon. Yeah, and that. And- I was going to say, that go, point, go ahead, I think is, is very important and it's something, and for a lot of the people who are listening to the podcast, like <laughs> you have a couple private label products, right? But one of the big like resistance points in larger, more established companies like yours, Jason, is are we going to cannibalize our own site, right? Like, are we going to drive our customers away and make them Amazon's customers? And it sounds like you were able to do that fairly successfully without impacting some of the stuff that you guys are doing on your own site, which is kind of cool. Yeah, we, we were able to do that. And the other thing that I think um, is a myth that I'd like to debunk is um, after they shop on Amazon, we can get them to repeat, right? We know who that customer is. We know that they bought our product and we can, since we originally had that customer, we can continue to market to that customer and they will repeat from us. So once they jump over to Amazon and they're always an Amazon customer, that's not true. So thinking of e-commerce metrics of the lifetime value of a customer, the repeat rate, those metrics are still very valid when pushing traffic to Amazon. You just need to know how to measure that. And okay, so that, that that's going to be the next question. How do you measure that? Like, you know, like, I mean, without getting too, you know, techie and, <laughs> and uh, you know, like all the, the geeky stuff that I know that we love to talk about, but like, how do you do that? How would you do that on a small scale? Would it just be use a tracking link or like, how, how would it, you do that? Yeah, we're using some tracking links. We're using some uh, promotion codes, you know, and we're pushing some traffic there. Um, But then in Amazon, you do have that name and address, right? Of uh, from that, if it's an FBA customer or if it's um, we're shipping that package out ourselves via fulfillment by merchant or seller fulfilled prime. So we can do that customer matchback to really understand was that original customer from us? Now they're ordering on Amazon. What do they look? What does their behavior look like on Amazon? Mm, okay, okay, yeah. Because I mean, uh, what I'm hearing is you are actually kind of saying, okay, what we're gonna do here is we're gonna drive our own traffic that we already currently have over to Amazon to then spike the algorithm to to get that flywheel, like you said, started, and then from there we can start to rank, and then we're gonna start to get some organic traffic from Amazon. Is that what I'm hearing? That's exactly right. Yeah, and, and see, a lot of people would be afraid to do that. They'd be like, why yep. am I going to push, you know, all, all of our traffic over there or some of our traffic? It doesn't have to be even all of it, right? Yep, and here's a key differential that works for my business, my businesses versus some other people is we're private label, so it's our own products. Mm-hmm. And we do, did not have wholesale distribution and competing with that other supply chain where our distributors were already on Amazon selling our products. So mm-hmm. we completely on the buy box where we um, were brand registered. We don't have other people competing against us so we can control that listing. And we've stuck with being a third party seller on Amazon and not going the vendor route. So we do feel like we can control the listing, the pricing, the um, all the optimization of that product. Okay. So it's just um, so it is it is different than some other people who need to first figure that piece out of how to control their pricing on Amazon. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Now, okay, let's, let's just talk about this really quickly. So you said you were already, you know, you already had the feed up there in a sense, but you weren't really doing anything with it. And then you said, okay, we're going to take 10 products. We're going to use these as kind of like our test products to see if we can actually get this thing to work. What was, what was the difference? Like, what did you do differently with those 10 products 
rather than just putting them up there and getting exposure? Was it just driving traffic to those 10? Was it optimization? Like what was those steps that you said, this is what we're going to do to make, you know, an, an, you know, kind of like an attempt at making this work? We, we did the best practice of Amazon. We did our keyword research. Okay. We wrote, we wrote the titles, we wrote the descriptions, we put alt, alt images up, right? So it's really optimizing that listing, right? Feeling like you have a clean listing there and that once you start driving traffic that we're really paying attention to that session conversion rate, making sure that it's not 1%, that it's six to up to, we're getting up to 15% conversion rates on our, on our listings. And that's really what Amazon says. That's something's going on. Cool here. Something's going on. Exciting with that product. I'm going to help keep promoting that up. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So Jason, a, a quick question for you, cause this is a question that we get all the time. If you're able to share the, the information, you know, we typically say a double digit conversion rate on Amazon is, is what you would want to see. And you're saying you're seeing like six to 15%. Is that higher than what you see on your own site? By far. It's, okay. it's definitely, yeah. So once you get going on Amazon, you know what that quality traffic is. It is definitely, uh, it, it's a higher conversion rate on Amazon. And, and I, that's, that's been my experience as well. And I don't know, you know, is I, I'm typically seeing double, if not more, even on a well-optimized site because Amazon is a place where people go to buy stuff. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Chris, because I know we, we get that question all the time, like, what's a good conversion rate? And a lot of people want double digits all the time. And we're like, you've never dabbled in the, you know, your own <laughs> e-commerce site before. And we've talked about it. I mean, some are happy with one, two, three percent, um, you know, and here we're talking, you know, six to 15 percent. And you're you're seeing, you know, that that, that to be successful. And I, I, I agree with that. Um, now, are there situations where you could be, you know, 20, 20 percent? Yeah, you, there, there are different categories, you know, just different situations. But um, I just care. I, I want to drive that point home because, you know, your conversion rate is really good. Six to 15 percent is, is definitely good um, now. OK, so, OK, you, you get the products up there, you, you, you get them optimized. Now, what was the first thing though that you did to that? Was it drive your own traffic or was it like turn on pay-per-click or was it both? It was both. Okay. It was turn on. It was turn on pay per click. It was um, drive some of our own traffic and tell a few of our tell a few of our customers that were there. Okay. Okay. And so you kind of like segmented your list. I'm assuming. Exactly. You, you just kind of said, you know what, we're just going to take a chunk of, of our list and send it over, and and we'll see if we can drive some traffic uh, to to get some sales. But and now, what did you do to to, to drive sales? Then was it just a coupon code? Was it a discount? What what was that? It was neither of those. We oh. were in season and we basically said, uh, shop Amazon, Amazon, um, use, uh, if you're an Amazon prime member, get free two day shipping. And it was, uh, that was enough to, wow. for them to realize that, okay, that, that's, uh, that why not? I was yeah. planning to buy anyways. Right. I'm for most of our products. We don't need to be doing any significant discounting to our um, house file, especially when we're in season. Sure. So, um, the offer was Amazon prime. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. So, so Jason, do you guys typically charge for shipping? We did. We do. Okay. We do charge for shipping on our site. And again, it's a different experience of what they're getting on our site right. versus what they're doing on Amazon. And and that I think is an interesting point because you guys aren't offering a discount per se, but you actually are, right? So that and that that's something that people can just kind of think about. You're saying, you know, it's a way of discounting the product or the the entire experience without having to give away value, right? You're saying go get free shipping from Amazon Prime if you have Prime. So they save a little bit of money there, but you're not actually discounting the product, which is kind of cool. 
Exactly. The other, the other thing I wanted to point out for people is house file just means email list guys. (laughs) Yeah. Correct. Yep. Yep. Now. Okay. I'm, I'm looking at, at the notes that you sent over and I don't want to skip over anything because you got a a ton of meat here that I want to cover. And I think it's all, it's all important. I mean, we could do probably a three part thing here, which we'll probably definitely have you come back on because we're going to talk about some testing and stuff that you're going to be doing here for, for prime day. And when people are listening to this, it's going to be after prime day, but um, I want people to hear and understand how, you know, how a, a bigger brand is thinking, but also how you can do that on a smaller brand. It's it's all the same to me. It just kind of all still works the same. But you did mention something in here in your notes about like some key strategies and how to grow, you know, business next year. One of them was product development. I've, I kind of want to talk about that. I don't want to skip over that because even like a company your size, I mean, you guys are probably always thinking of of new things, right? I mean... Um, so can you just kind of talk about that, like product development? What does that actually mean for you and your and your company? Yeah, I guess we, we knew what we we're good at. We knew what the category was that we were good at. So we went on, to, on Amazon. We used different tools on Amazon and we used the search and we understood um, what where the traffic volume was for different, I would say, sub segments of our of our categories and said, that's where the volume is. Let's now go reverse engineer um, what from the search terms mm-hmm. to develop product to address the traffic that is already on Amazon. So we kind of went the reverse way versus developing product first and saying, now let's go market it. And figure, we really understood where that, where the volume was on Amazon and said, we know how to go develop product in that market. We saw who, where, who the competition was, mm-hmm. what, the, what their volume was, how, how, how deep that, how deep, uh, um, the SKUs were in in those spaces and said, you know, we can compete there. Mm. We um, and competing. Interestingly, <clears throat> the other thing I would I would say uh, debunk the myth on Amazon is it's not all about the lowest price point, right? right. Uh, my company is not the lowest price point, and there is a lot of competition out there for our products, and people want to search variety, right? They want to have selection. Mm. Think if it's a uh, a t-shirt, right? Mm-hmm. There's $5 t-shirts and there's $50 t-shirts. And it's about the branding, the marketing of it, and why somebody's going to pay $50 for a t-shirt versus $5, mm-hmm. right? So that's part of what I would say um, we really needed to pay attention to is we're not just looking for the lowest price point and competing there. We're really making sure that we can talk to the quality of our product, the reliability of our product, and understand that there's value there because we want to be a margin player versus a volume player. Mm, that makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone that's even just thinking like you have to go out there and develop a product from scratch, um, you're you're actually what you're looking at now and you're in that space is because you have the the resources to do that. You're now kind of like seeing what's selling. If you guys can roll something out that's you know as good if not better, you know preferably better. And then from there, you just add another product to your to your uh, you know your product line. Is that pretty much what you're doing then? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, we know what our core strengths are. We know what what vendors and relationships we have, and we say what are they good at? What can we go um, develop that already has volume and already has. Is traffic? there a certain number though that you guys look at as far as like uh, how many that you want to roll out in a quarter, or is it a year? Like how do you guys base that? I mean, as a bigger company. It is on a yearly basis because okay. um, you'd have to develop up to a, a year ahead of time. So um, it really depends on how much we're willing to push the envelope and how much I can convince <laughs> the team yeah. on how many new SKUs that we want to that we can develop and what enough of a line is to be able to test into to be able to scale that the next year, mm. right? And how much risk we're um, we're 
willing to take. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That right. makes, that makes to- total sense. So you guys kind of have a, a, a plan, almost like a year out plan of products that are going to be in development that are approved by the team and all that stuff. And then that's pretty much being worked on for this year or the following year, actually. And then you ha- also have another year probably where you're starting to kind of fill, you know, the, uh, the pipeline with what's going to come up next. Exactly. And cool. then when we launch, when we launch a product, we're seeing that immediately, is it working? Isn't it working? Mm. What are we going to do with that? And our product development team is in Amazon every day, looking at those sales and looking at why one colorway or one variant selling and the other ones aren't to really start thinking about what we're going to, what we're going to continue to develop. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes, that makes perfect sense. That's, that's pretty helpful. Um, the other thing that you pointed out here was, again, this is kind of like I'm going through like what you have. You have like five points here um, for, for growing a business, you know, and, and, you know, basically growing the business in the next year. One of them is product development. The next one is uh, really your performance metrics. And a lot of people wouldn't think that this is part of the growth. Can you speak to that? Like Amazon's performance metrics and, and, and really like why you think that that's important? Yeah, Amazon's very clear and they have their green, yellow, um, red, um, big banners there of, are you within, um, their metrics for if it's defects rates, if it's cancellation rates, if it's late shipment rates, valid tracking. Mm. And, uh, those metrics I think are critical for Amazon to say, you're a good seller. I'm going to continue to promote you. Just like if it's star rating or if it's, um, number of reviews, I think, if you can stay within the metrics mm. and and beat the metrics, Amazon gonna, is going to say, this is a good seller. I'm going to continue to help this seller drive more traffic because <clears throat> Amazon has the reliability that you're going to fulfill their needs. Mm. You're going to fulfill the customer needs. And that's right. That's what Amazon cares about. They want to sell product and they want to satisfy customers. Yeah. So they, they're very clear on what their, their thresholds are and metrics are. And I want to exceed every single one of those because I think that shows that we have a healthy account. And when we introduce new products, when we grow, when we grow and expand that, um, uh, Amazon's going to reward us for that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And that makes total sense. And we've talked about that, you know, a lot is that like people don't realize the account, your, your seller's account, um, is, is a huge part of, Amazon wanting to help you. If you have a really poor, uh, you know, account, meaning like your metrics are poor, your feedback is poor, like all of those things, that's also going to come into play as far as like how much they want to help you and promote you, or maybe not even have you sell anymore. I mean, that could, it can literally, you know, kick you off of Amazon. So yeah, I think that that stuff is really important. We've always talked about that, right? It's like customer service, like all of the basic stuff that we know, but you have to, you have to do it. Um, and that's just as important as having a great product. You have to, have to actually have all those other things in place. Uh, but it does start with a with a good product and and then your your support team and all that stuff. Moving on to the next part of the list is um, optimizing listings and like all of the best practices and the strategies. Maybe just we'll just cover those really quickly because I do want to get into some of the cool things that you guys have done with uh, with getting attention to uh, you know an offer, a sale, and those things. But um, as far as optimizing listings and all the best practices, like what what do you feel is like? the main things that people should be paying attention that, that you guys paid attention to with the, uh, with the listings. Um, good images, right. Yep. Um, and multiple images, alt images, um, are super important, right? The customer looks there. The customer is, um, definitely looking at the, all the images that you have and then tying that with, I would say the rest of the content and don't, 
overextend it, right? Don't go too deep in it. Make it make show the features, the benefits um, that that are there, and make it clear, right? Don't try and um, be gimmicky. Don't try and um, fool the system in terms of adding crazy amount of keywords or driving the the traffic that is in that gray area. Mm-hmm. It's be very very clear of what you're selling and why the what the benefits there and why you're quote better than the competition mm. you know and that's part of what i we say is we're selling a brand we're selling an experience we're selling a product that has reliability that is backed by a seller that has um that has good feedback and has an established brand off amazon right mm. so we have seen a little bit of that confusion that our, they're shopping on Amazon and then they're calling our call center asking for support, uh, right? So they, they, there is that, it gets a little confusing, but that's, that's a good piece. You know, that, that means that we're selling the brand and people are caring about that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, totally agree with that. Chris, did you want to talk about anything on the optimization stuff before we move on to the traffic? Yeah. And I just, I think it's interesting, Jason, that you guys, and I'm just taking a quick look at your space here at, at one of the brands that I know that you guys operate. And it's interesting, you talked about selling the brand. You guys are actually leading with the brand, which is technically the way that you're supposed to to write your title. Not a lot of private labelers do that because it's not necessarily something that people would search for. In your case, I would tend to think, and you, you may have some data to back this up or to shut me up, that your brand may actually lead to some direct purchases by people doing that. And you guys are also doing you know, all the stuff that, that Scott and I talk about based on what I can see. You know, it's your brand, your main keywords, a little bit of a description about it. And then you're actually putting a value proposition in the title kind of at the very end by telling people, you know, hey, this is where it was made or this is what it's made out of. And that does really help you stand apart. So I think that's really cool that you guys are kind of encompassing all of those things, as well as some best practices that not a lot of other people would think about, like that value prop in the title. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's Yeah, that's that's. That's good stuff. And again, sometimes it's simple stuff, but people think it has to be overcomplicated. But like you said, you're leading with the brand. But then from there, you're also giving the benefits, the features and everything in there. And you're putting a value on that. So I think that's important. And anyone listening, like it's sometimes those simple, subtle things that make a big difference. Obviously, you want keywords that are going to be searched for as well. If you have keywords in that are not searched for, you're not getting any traffic. And that's not good either. Um, But Moving on um, to the driving traffic. That's the next part of your your five steps here that you guys are kind of working on or your five phases you guys are working on all the time um, to really build the business and grow it um, is driving traffic. Can you talk about like what is some things that you're currently doing and then also maybe things that you have planned to do? Yeah. So I've been, we kind of break our traffic into two parts, right? What is, what does Amazon offer and what can we do on Amazon to help drive that traffic? And Mm -hmm. that's with sponsored products. That's with, uh, AMS, the additional headline search ads and product display ads. And that's with, um, now we're testing into, uh, Amazon media group, right? And, uh, you really need to understand, um, what your, uh, ag cost thresholds are, your a cost, um, mm-hmm. to understand how much traffic you can drive. And really, um, what I look at too is the total percentage of paid traffic I'm driving versus then the organic left, right? Because yeah. some people think that every single sale, they need to get that. What, what's my break even return on? Mm. And there really is a thought process there of what's your investment you're willing to make 
that you're willing to put in sponsored products that you're willing to put into this driving your own traffic there because then it gets the flywheel going and then you get the organic traffic. Mm. And um, I've seen some of my products where I've pushed it hard in sponsored products or driving my own traffic and the organic never takes off. Mm -hmm. So that means there's something wrong with my product, right? The customer doesn't like it. Amazon's not recognizing it as a valuable product, right? So that means I, I need to move on. If I can start with a product do a little bit of paid advertising, and then the organic takes off, then I'm like, I got a winner here. And that's something really to identify. Now, that, you, you, that's a great point. And that's actually what we do as well. It's like, you know, you drive, uh, you know, the pay-per-click, you know, ads, you can, you can almost get, you know, your product in front of your people, like almost instantly. And then from there, we can start to get some sales and that can lift our organic. But when do you make that decision? Is it when you know that you're ranking page one for those keywords or is there another thought process that I'm missing? Yeah, it's uh, and then my category page one's hard. Okay, right? it's deep. My, my categories are deep okay. and uh, I don't really look for for that page one ranking. I look for how many sales do I do? Do we feel we need to drive to that? We're adding value gotcha. um, to our business. So if it's 10 a day, 30 a day up to um, a hundred a week, whatever that number is that we forecasted that we say, you know what, here's how much product we ordered. Here's what our return is and our investment in it. Is that working for us or not? Because, uh, Amazon definitely is a unique engine in terms of how customers find your product and they find it multiple ways, especially when you're in a pretty broad category that people do browse and they, uh, they scroll and they scroll and they scroll and they'll find your product. If so, it's, if it, Mm-hmm. So, so you, you would basically look at, okay, I drove five sales through pay-per-click, but I had 20 sales for the day. So you know that organically sales are being made. Exactly. Okay. So, so that Jason. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, just, just a quick question. Cause you said, you know, Hey, if we're driving it through PPC and you know, let's say we are hitting our sales goal, but we're, it's, it's all coming from PPC. So that means we're not ranking appropriately or there's something wrong with the product. Right. What if you have a quick question or a quick minute to run it down? What's kind of your troubleshooting process for that? Because that's something that, Scott, you and I get asked a lot. Yeah. Um, So I'm just curious, Jason, what your troubleshooting process for that is. Do you guys go look at the listing first? Do you, you know, kind of if you can break that process down for us, I think that'd be really cool for everybody that's listening. Yeah, we um, we definitely uh, we go to the listing first and see are there the right images there? Is there the right copy? Do we need to change the description and really the benefit of what this product might be? Right. If it's um, if we're talking a colorway and the colorway is not important to them and it's really about the, the fit, um, we might need to go rewrite that and, and change it. The other interesting thing that uh, we do we do have a capacity to do is understand how to group products together in varying groups and play off some of the sales history you have off of other products that you've already had there. So kind of understanding when you can make a variant um, group of say three or four colorways or three or four styles or sizes of a product and group that together and really get one product going and really helping the other products, um, grow as well. So we kind of play with that a little bit too and be like, okay, now we've gotten some traffic helped from another product that a historical product that we had that maybe we were discontinuing, but we had it on sale, we were liquidating it, but then they saw the new one and that got it going to really say, okay, now it can stand, stand alone on its, uh, 
own legs. So that's an interesting one that uh, I haven't heard many people really look at, but it, it works in my space. It doesn't work in everybody's space. So what you're kind of getting at there is let's say you had a, a red color, right? A red color product and you guys were kind of going to just get rid of it. You were going to liquidate it. You launch a blue one. And after you launch the blue one, you see the sales, of the red one pick back up and you end up not killing that product. Is that where you're going with that? Exactly. Or the the red one was we were playing to <clears throat> that was last year's colorway and we're introducing a new colorway and um, we're we got to, we put that one on sale because we were moving through that inventory but we already were using that sales history and that and almost that um, halo effect of a lower price point item to really help see that oh there's another option here as well and and I I, I like the new the the new style better or the new colorway better and uh, we'll kind of upgrade to that one and using that product listing to really help promote a new product. Cool. No, that, that makes, that makes a hundred, hundred percent sense. And, uh, I think it's a different way of looking at it, right? It's like, uh, you know, and, I mean, you have more than one SKU. So, you know, if someone only has two SKUs, it might be different, but in the same breath, you're taking an existing product and, and, and trying to get it going by maybe another product that, that is doing better. Um, by, by kind of showing it to that audience. It's kind of something that we talked about, Chris, actually, that we've been playing around with is, uh, is you know, using that promotion area now that's right below the price, which is nice, um, to, ba- to basically drive traffic to another related product. Um, it's another way to mm-hmm. kind of cross-promote your, yep. your traffic and stuff, uh, yep. which, which is good. And I say if the product has been struggling, we're going to play with price, right? So we're sure. going to say, here, here's the MSRP, we were trying to sell it at that. We're going to try We're going to work hard to get it back up there, but we need to drive traffic and we need to drive, um, get that session conversion rate higher. So let's first lower the price back, lower the price, see if we can stimulate that demand, be like, okay, we got it. We got the reviews that, that we needed. We, um, and we got, we got a conversion rate. We're driving traffic there. Now let's slowly move that price back up to where, um, we thought we, uh, what our original goals were. Okay. Um, yeah, no, that, that makes sense too. Because now you're you're trying to, to to kind of get it going by lowering the price some, but then you're slowly bringing it back up, and then you're probably going to find that sweet spot by doing that, right? If your conversion drops as you start to raise that price after a certain amount of time, then you're going to be like, all right, well, maybe we have to lower it. And is it still worth it to to sell it if we lower it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and that's that's something we've been playing a lot with lately. Oh so yeah, is is price testing. And Jason, I don't know if you guys are doing that manually. Uh, or for your, you're using some of the tools that are out there. But one of the things that we've been playing with, and it speaks to a point you brought up earlier, is uh, the Splitly price testing tool. And what we found is quite often a higher price point actually ends up being the thing that is the most beneficial. One, because it increases our margin, but two, because you have that perception of that higher value. Like we have that one product right now, Scott, the one that we launched most yeah. recently, that's double the price of the nearest competitor in the market. And we're selling more <laughs> than yeah. anybody else yeah. in the market right now. Yeah. Um, but you you don't necessarily know that unless you're testing that price. A lot of people come into the market and assume, just like with their title and their images and their bullet points, that the first whack at it is the best whack at it. And usually that's not the case. So that's I, I'm glad to hear that you guys are testing yeah. that. Are you also testing your titles and your descriptions, Jason? Or is that more of like a passive process for you since you have so many SKUs? Yeah, it is a little bit more passive there that um, if we see a problem or see something going on, we'll uh, change that title and change that description. Um, <clears throat> but a- another piece of what I would say is uh, is critical is 
when you're launching a product, when you understand when you're developing the product, you need to have the margin to know when the product's not working and to be able to liquidate it and move on to another product. Mm -hmm. And that's critical. That's critical because, and that Amazon has the traffic, has the volume that unlike some other businesses that when you try and liquidate and you get stuck with a ton of inventory, you have a problem. Mm. We've been very successful of being able to raise our hand and say, this product's not working for us. We're going to give up. We're going to basically sell it at cost, be able to clear it out and move on to the next product because moving on to the next product is critical. Yeah. Great, great point. I, I agree. And I, I think the, I, the big question always comes in and you probably won't have an exact answer, but the question is always like, when do you throw your hands up and say this product isn't working? You know, is there a certain time? Is there, you know, are, do you have to get through your, 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 you know, your highest, you know, traffic time, you know, your certain season, is there a certain thing that you guys go, okay, we've tried this, we've tried this, we've tried this and it didn't work. So now it's time is, or is it just like, I guess, kind of like a gut feel because you've seen other things in the past? Yeah, I would say twofold of that one seasonality, right? When mm -hmm. are you, when is the peak season for you that you've done everything you can, you've, you play with your price point, you play with your title and the season's coming to an end and you're, it's still not working. Mm -hmm. It's before before the season's over, it's it's time to move through this inventory. This couple that with Amazon's pushing you with long-term storage fees sure. and um, additional uh, fees that are there, and you, we, I have quarterly numbers that I'm looking at, and I was like, I have inventory positions that I want to be responsible for of how much inventory I have at Amazon. I'm saying, you know what, it's time to move through this because I, I don't want to have this at quarter end, at year end um, coming in because I, I need to move through this. And right now I can do it at cost. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm Because again, like some people are like, well, when do I give up? It's like, you kind of have to look at your numbers, but you also have to know if, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're just coming out of fourth quarter and you have a product that's in fourth quarter and it didn't really maybe get all of the fourth quarter. I mean, generally, a lot of people say, if I can get my product to fourth quarter, that's going to kind of validate it for me in a sense. But maybe for, maybe your fourth quarter is in January because you sell a fitness product, right? Like there's different times of the year that might be your time to say, hey, did, did this thing even have a chance? Um, and I also get some people that say, well, I haven't really drove a lot of traffic or I haven't done a lot of pay-per-click. You have to have traffic in order to really have it be validated that it wasn't successful, um, I think is a big one. Um, let, speaking about traffic, let, let's kind of stay on this one here for a little bit. You've done some really cool things, and I know we've talked about the email list and Facebook traffic and, and all that stuff. Can you give us like one thing that you guys have done to drive traffic that really kind of worked well? Yes, and one that um, I would say some people think is, isn't as exciting as some of the immediate returns is uh, a giveaway, mm -hmm. right? A, con a contest that you're doing on Facebook and you're collecting email addresses. Mm. So we're, and it takes some time to do it. Sure. Um, but once you collect those email addresses, you have them for a while, yeah. right? We've been doing this for a year now, and this was before we were even driving traffic uh, to Amazon per se, is we were doing a, uh, a giveaway and people like food, right? Think mm. that that's one, one thing is, um, I say, if it's a, a year of cookies, a year of, uh, of, whatever it is. And, uh, people will on, on Facebook, people will be like, I'll sign up for that. I'll sign up for that. And, uh, 
we collected tons and tons of email addresses through giveaways, through contests, and you really need to understand what your acquisition costs can be and how qualified of a of a, a segment you're um, you're pulling in from. But once you have those emails, you can um, you can talk to them f- for years. Right. right. We have we have these names that are now a year plus old that when we're launching a new product we're going to talk to them and they're going to respond they're going to respond to us about the the new product launch that's coming out for July 4th mm. or whatever that uh that time period is and right now it feels free to us right because we did that acquisition back a year ago with those email names and we are they they do need an offer right mm-hmm. but you're just, but you're launching that product and you're stimulating that demand so if it's 30, 40% off is kind of our, our range to drive, um, that initial sale. Um, it really adds, um, some value and that takes some time to understand. So what does that, what does that look like though? Uh, you know, as far as like, you know, like the, I guess the process, the funnel, whatever you want to call it, like, what is the process? Like, okay, you put up the offer and, and, uh, you know, people are attracted to it. We always say, you know, you got to come up with a killer offer. It's got to be a good offer that people are actually going to want to enter their name and an email address for, but what's the next step in that? Like, or, and also before we move on, how long do you go for your contest? Is it a week, two weeks, a, a month, um, before you pick a winner? Yeah, we're, we're, um, for the contest, a lot of the contests we're doing short contests, okay. um, because, uh, we do want to collect, we want to create that buzz. We want to create that excitement that you're winning something very soon for something that's seasonally relevant, right? If it's mm-hmm. the, the July 4th, bash like right. here's what that 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 offer is sign up now and uh the the goal there is to collect a lot of emails um pretty quickly you get one winner um and off of that what we call is a loser email right sorry you didn't you sorry you didn't win but here's 30 percent off something something else in our store that right right now and that's pretty pretty similar to doing an offer out of the gate right but you're collecting all these email addresses that you're going to have in perpetuity to uh, continue to market to. So we get that stimulus off of that quote loser email um, and then can continue to market them uh, for the next offer, the next offer, the next offer. And how, how is that, how has that been working? I mean, I, I know you, you, you said it's doing pretty well, but I mean like you, it must be working okay for you guys to keep repeating this, right? It does. And it, it depends. You need to still understand what's your audience, mm, right? We, yes went a little too crazy about, I would say last, uh, we had a mother's day campaign, um, that we did, uh, and we were over the moon excited with how many email names we collected and they did not respond, right? Uh, the offer, um, got out in the, the deal sites and the, 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 um, people who enter everything. Right. And we were over the moon that we got, um, within a couple of days, we had uh, 15,000 emails wow. and it was a problem. So they came into our email system and we started emailing them and they were not opening, not clicking, not responding. So we had bad email addresses. So mm-hmm. we need to know how to cleanse that out and really say, what is our audience that we want to target? Because it's our product line is still relevant to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where there's some hesitation is you can't just mass blast it to, to no um, segmentation. You really need to still know who your audience is and who is going to respond and who is a quality email address. Yeah, that's and, great. That's a great point. And I mean, we talk a lot about that, like knowing your market, where they are, where they're hanging out, 
and um, you know, not just like free seekers, right? It's like people that are genuinely interested. But what's the cleanse process? You know what I mean? Like, so do you send out an email? Oh, well, I'm, okay, let's let, let's do this real quick. You have your offer. They enter their name and email address. They go to a thank you page. I'm, I'm imagining, and then from there, you probably have some ways for them to share it. Um, is that is that true so far? Is that how yep, it works? Okay. Yeah, we are using a tool called uh, Rafflecopter. So they're okay. coming into yep. Rafflecopter and they can they can share it, they can like it, they can uh, okay. if they tweet it, if they if they get five friends to sign up, they get additional entries into the contest. So yep. it, it, there is a little viral component little that they, they okay. can do okay. as well. Okay, and then from uh, there, they probably get a follow up email. I'm assuming that says, uh, "Hey, just you know, thank you." And oh, by the way, here's another way to share it. Would that be exactly? Okay. Yep. Okay. They get another follow up email, and then uh, whenever the contest is over they get an email 99.9% of them get the email that says sorry you uh you, you did not win okay. but here's uh here's uh another offer here's a, here's something else that um could uh, appease you okay does, does this process sound familiar to you Scott? it sounds very familiar that's why i love going through this and we didn't even pre talk about this but well and uh, and so jason one of the one of the ways that we found and i don't know if you guys are doing this now to kind of segment that list a little bit up front um, so that you can kind of get rid of some of those freebies is in addition to that, thank you email, you know, like the freebie seekers in addition to that, thank you email. And I don't know what the exact time period is that you guys have that you're running these contests for. Um, but like two days after we send the thank you email, we do send like a survey segmentation email. Um, and then we see, we can see if they open and interact with that at all. So that may be something that that you guys can try on your next go around and let us know how that works. Yeah, definitely good advice because we, we are looking at that, that open and click rate, you know, and seeing uh, who's paying attention to us. Yeah. And okay. So then on that part of it, you do that. Now, what, what do you feel you guys are happy with for an open rate? Number one, not even a click through rate yet. Um, if, if it's a, new list that we just acquired, yeah. um, we should be seeing up to 20% open rate, right? Yeah. Those people want to pay, want to know, did I win? What's going on? Yeah. Right. So a 20% open rate is, uh, is very healthy with a new list that you acquired. Yeah. No, and I, I agree. I think, I think standard, like industry standard is like 15, uh, mm-hmm. you know, something like that, maybe even a little bit less. Um, you're getting 20 that's, a, that's above, um, you know, but if you're getting even more than that, which we are in, in most instances, and also, um, we were just at our workshop this past weekend, um, in North Carolina, we did a little one day workshop basically showing this entire process. And, um, we had, um, uh, a, a couple that was there that had been doing exactly this. that got about 8,500 emails and we were looking at some of their follow-ups and they're getting like 40 to 50% open rate. I'm like, that is amazing. They're like, oh, I thought it could be better. I'm like, no, that is amazing. Like, you got to understand <laughs> this, right? So I just love it that you said 20% because that is normal. Like, that's that's good. Yeah. Um, you're getting more than that. You're doing really well, and you have a really engaged audience. And that's that's a, something that I think a lot of people get hung up on. And the, the couple you're talking about, like 40, 40 to 50% open rate. Yeah. That's like the thank you email you send after the contest. Yeah. You'll typically see, like, thanks for yeah. entering. That's where you'll see a 40, 50% open rate. And a lot of people are like, okay, well, and, and Scott, we sent an email like literally one minute before this interview started today. Um, and people are like, okay, and I'm looking at it right now. It has a 10.4% open rate in yeah. 40 minutes or so. In 40 minutes. Uh, you know, and people are saying, okay, we have, you know, 11,000 people on that list. What about the other 10,000 people? Mm. Well, one, they're going to continue to open that email. You guys will be surprised, and Jason, you guys probably see this, like three months after you send an email, you'll get a response to it in some cases. Uh, But the other thing is, unlike with an ad, right, where you're running an ad to, say, 11,000 people, 
if you don't get them on that first instance, you still have them on the list yes. and not the same 1500 people don't open every single email that you send. So you have additional chances to get to them. And that's one of the things that's significantly more powerful about email, in my opinion, than something like just running a Facebook ad to that same list, because as long as they're on that list, I still have a chance of getting in contact with them. And Jason, you said earlier, you know, it's kind of like playing for free, right? Because once you have them, they're on that list and you get as many chances as you're willing to take. Well, exactly. Well, that's that. That's true. But I, I, I'd also say this. But you're also looking at what the ROI was at that point. Like, has the list been paid for? And and I guess that would be the next question. Like, what is you know? And again, then it could be just the offer. I know we've done that where we've sent out the loser email, and you know we didn't get as much uh, of a response than we did with a different product, right? So it could just be the product that that could be too. Now, are you doing it generally, Jason, to a specific product, or are you doing it to products that are in your store or something like that, where they have more of a variety? It's both. Okay. It definitely depends what the initiative is at the time. Sometimes it's the entire store. Sometimes it's about a very specific product that we're trying to launch. Do you find with the sending it to more of a variety that you get more of, of an uptick? No, we don't. It's hmm. um. It's sometimes it's we need to be very clear of uh oh, what okay. the what the product is and what the what the offer is. Interesting. Um, okay. And that yeah. that to me actually makes sense, Scott. And you and I have had this conversation before. You don't want to overwhelm people with choices, right? It's and true. Yeah. I said it. I said it at the workshop this weekend. People hate being told what to do, but people love being told what to do. Right? <laughs> right. They, they hate thinking that someone is telling them what to do. But when you give them limited direction, you're going to see more people take action on that stuff, right? Mm. And there, there's a case study out there. And Jason, you've probably heard this. You know, it was like in front of a Whole Foods or something. They set up a table with you know 300 different bottles of I think it was olive oil. Right. And they they measured two things, how many people stopped and how many people bought a bottle. And then the next week they measured the same thing, but they only set out like three bottles or five bottles of olive oil. More people stopped with more choices, but fewer people bought. Mm. So they actually had more people buy when there was only three or five choices because they got to see the exact thing that they were tasting and they knew exactly what they were trying to buy. So a lot of times if you do limit that choice, even if it's not necessarily the best choice, for everyone on the list, you're going to see a bigger uptick. Yeah. So that, that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. Um, all right. So contests and giveaways and all that stuff clearly works. We've, we've, we've proven it ourselves, but now we're talking to Fortune 500 company here that you're using this exact same strategy. Like nothing's really different than what we're doing. It's the same process. Um, what are you finding, and I know this is going to depend on the market, but what are you finding is the best uh, traffic source that you're, I know you're dabbling in a little bit of everything. What have you found for your, you know, your companies, uh, you know, what has been the best traffic source? Right now, the, I would say the biggest volume is on Facebook, mm -hmm. right? But um, that's where it probably, it's the most advanced in terms of figuring out how to segment an audience, yeah. how to go target an audience. And I've heard, I heard an interesting comment on, on about uh, Facebook and people who are on Facebook, it is similar if people think of the mindset of, display advertising and mm. being in the display network. But when you're on another website and you see a banner ad, you are distracted. You are on a website to do something very specific. When yeah. you are on Facebook, you're usually going to Facebook because you want to be distracted. Right. You want to waste time. You want to be doing, so true. you want to see what's out there. So when you see an ad, you want to see ads. You want to see what your friends are doing and you're willing to kind of click through because you want to 
basically waste time. Yeah. So it's very different, I would say, experience. And we do see uh, Facebook really working well for us there. Um, but uh, beyond Facebook, uh, we're testing into Pinterest and we're testing into Instagram, right? Those are two developing mm. spaces that uh, have opportunity to um, not just build your own organic list and uh, followers there, but um, really to do some more of the paid ad spend with lookalike type of uh, campaigns. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as Instagram for you, um, and I'm assuming you're just running ads. You're not like reaching out to influencers or stuff like that. You're just running ads right directly in, in Instagram. We are right now. And, uh, you've talked about influencers a few times and now I'm intrigued and we have uh, a few, uh, camp campaigns planning to figure out how to reach out to some influencers to, uh, to, to test into that. Nice. Yeah. Let me know how that goes. I think that'll work well for, for your, for your brands for sure. Yeah. yeah that'll be interesting. Um, okay. Um, lot we can talk about in, in the driving of traffic and all that stuff, but I do want to keep moving on. Cause I want to, I want to definitely let people know kind of like this little Amazon prime day thing that we're, that we're coming up on. And if you're listening to this after the fact, which you probably will be, um, at least you can understand the mindset and also maybe some strategies that you can do, whether it's Prime Day, whether it's Black Friday, whether it's any of the other big days, fourth quarter, um, or even a lightning deal for that matter. Um, what, uh, you know, what, uh, what are you guys doing and what do you, I guess, what do you think about like days like Prime Day? I think it's very cool. I think um, they, I'm thinking of Prime Day as Amazon is marketing for me. Right, they are stimulating the demand. They are going to be stimulating the traffic. People are going to be looking for deals and offers, and they want to buy. So I want to be a partner with Amazon and play in that space. And I'm going to tell my customers, "Hey, it's it's Prime Day. Shop my products as well, and you'll get a you'll be rewarded for that." So um, I'm using it as kind of a co-promoting opportunity because for our, our businesses. It's July is uh, not in season, right? Mm -hmm. So any incremental traffic I can drive, incremental sales I can drive now, I can learn a lot, I can test a lot, and I can uh, really understand how that might play out um, later on. And couple that with if I'm playing by Amazon's rules and strategies there, they're going to see my spike in sales for Prime Day, and that's going to help continue on. And hopefully if the people who aren't playing in the Prime Day space being like that, I've just got a significant bump ahead of them with in terms of how much uh, revenue, traffic, ses session conversion rates that I drove that uh, they weren't able to. So, okay, let, let me ask you this, though. So um, let's say that you have, because uh, I, I want to make this useful for everyone listening to, not just you, because you have all, maybe all of these things at your disposal because you're a bigger company. But like, let's say, for example, <clears throat> you did not get a lightning deal um, oh. for Prime Day. What would you do and what are you? I mean, I know I've got your list here. You are doing some things even without just running a lightning deal. What are you doing to test and to take advantage of Prime Day? Yep. Here's one interesting one that um, <clears throat> knowing that customers pro um, are looking for deals and have most likely products in their carts already from um, browsing mm. our products for the past few past few months or whatever is – the day before Prime Day or that Monday, we're going to lower all of our prices by five bucks. Oh, wow. And it's a small, it's relatively small discount actually overall for some of our products and thought process being twofold. One, um, I've heard that if people have products in their cart, 
they're going to get an, e- uh, an email from Amazon that's saying the price has changed, mm. right? So that will help stimulate some sales and it's going to be right during Prime Day to help boost that up. And couple that with, I've also heard that once you start changing things on your product listings page, Amazon sees that as they like that. They like change. They will say, oh, I want to see if that's going to help mm-hmm. and stimulate some and, and move that up in the algorithm a little bit to give it a few days to see if uh, your change really helped improve the the sales velocity of that product. So that's one thing on Amazon that I'm, I'm testing, okay. seeing if uh, seeing if it, um, if it moves the needle at all. Um, but I think that's something everybody could could do is play with your price, knowing that people are looking for deals. If you're at full price, you might be hurting yourself during this two day time period or mm. week long time period that uh, that Prime Day is going on. And so, you really need to be cognizant of that. So even if you're lowering your price, you're not you're not mentioning in there that it's a Prime Day special or anything like that, because technically you're not supposed to change the title and say Prime Day special or anything like that. Um, but you're just going to lower it because that day they're going to assume that it's lower because of Prime Day. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not process? looking to. Yeah, I'm not looking to drive people who are searching for Prime Day traffic at all. That I think would be a bust. I would drive a ton of traffic and mm-hmm. have very very low conversion rates. So, okay. Yeah. Just just you, people who are already interested in my products or my category who are searching for that and seeing it's a couple bucks cheaper today. Gotcha. Now, Jason, do you kind of feel the same way about sending an email to that list? You know, to to your house file. Or are you going to mention that it is, you know, where we have some deals for Prime Day? No, I'm v- very much talking to my house file, my email list about Prime Day and saying, here's exclusive deals because it's Prime Day that we've, quote, partnered with Amazon. And here's the, the key offers that we're pushing for Prime Day. Um, come, and sh- come and shop these specific products. Mm, um, I like that. And we're doing that in our in our email. And just one of the other off um, Amazon Facebook advertising things that we do, which Scott, I'm going to be interested to hear your comment because uh, you've said not to do this before, is we are doing prospecting on Amazon with with ads and we are driving them directly to Amazon saying it's Prime Day. Here's this special. Here's this offer. It's 30 percent off what, what, because it's a, a Prime Day exclusive product. But what we are doing, we're not driving them directly to the product listing page because I don't want to drive all that, that ton of traffic that's unqualified. I'm actually building a search results page. I put in specific keywords or for the specific products I wanted to show up in a search results page. So I'm clicking from a Facebook ad to an Amazon search results page. So they see the three or four products I'm offering. Then from there, that hopefully will pre-qualify them to say, do I want to now click to the product page um, to convert? And hopefully that product page still has a high conversion okay, rate. Okay, so, okay, and I'm going to kind of unpack what you just said there because I, I think that's actually a pretty cool strategy. Yeah, um, I do too. You're, you're not driving them directly to a listing page. You're driving them to a results page if they search for stainless steel garlic press and and maybe your brand name after that. So then they would just see three of your products that, that, are, that are those. They're going to land on that results page. And then from there, if they clicked on one of your listings, that is where... Um, if all that traffic went to that listing page, that could hurt your conversion. But you're already creating a layer there that's not going to be immediately hitting your listing page. Is that right? Is that what I'm saying? Exactly. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that's brilliant, man. I think that's 
That's a great that's a great way. The reason why we've said that before is because we don't want to drive all the traffic to a listing page and then have only, you know, a small portion of it actually buy, but you're intercepting that with a results page. It's the same difference as just going to a landing page. I mean, it's a kind of like the same thing if you just drove them to a landing page, not even on Amazon, but on your own page that had three of your products there and then they clicked on one that would take them. That's basically the same thing. You're just shortcutting it. You don't need a landing page. You're just create you're just driving them to Amazon with those results and then they can decide which one they want to click on. Yep. Love it. Right. And, and Jason, you're doing that because, and I think you mentioned in the notes, you're trying to stay at a minimum of like that 6% conversion rate. Right. And if you're driving people straight to that sales page, straight to that product page, you are going to drop that conversion rate. In most cases, what you're doing there is you're inserting a barrier to entry. And it's typically something we wouldn't do in advertising if we wanted them to buy, right? If you were driving that traffic straight to your own site, you would either drive them to a very specific landing page built around the product or, you know, directly to a product page in the case of something like a Google shopping ad, right? Exactly. But here, what you're doing is you're, you're inserting that landing page and forcing people to make a decision. Normally, we want to remove decisions, right? But in this exact case, you're doing it so that they have to click. And if they click, then they have then qualified themselves. Now, the question that I have for you is, are you targeting that to that house list, to that email list, or are you targeting that to cold traffic? I am targeting to both. I have definitely okay. my my email list, but I'm also doing it. I, I wouldn't say cold traffic. It's it's prospecting audience that I've we've built up off of lookalike campaigns gotcha. or affinity groups that we know are in market for us. Yep. Yep. But it is a prospecting. Um, but it's still it's cold. it's it's warm. It's not really cold. Cold would be like they've never heard of you before. This here, they've either landed on a page, you're retargeting, or you, you've created a lookalike from them landing on a certain page, or even uploading an email list and creating a lookalike, um, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes that makes total sense, man. I yeah, I'm excited to, to hear what those results will be. So we're definitely gonna have to have you back on and and kind of talk about some of these things that you're that you're putting into motion. Um, now, lightning deals. Um, I'm assuming you have some of those that you're going to be running. Yep. We had, uh, two that were accepted for prime day. So, uh, that, those were the ones that were a little pricier at $500 a piece. Yep. And it'll be interesting to see, um, if the amount that they're charging on top of what they normally charge is going to get that increased response. But, uh, again, I think, uh, even if it doesn't, I think playing again by Amazon rules, they're going to give you value for participating, I right? Agree. If it's, if it's a longer term, uh, goal. Too. And so I'm excited to see what's uh, going to happen there for uh, the two um, ones that will fall on Prime Day. And then I have uh, eight other ones that are falling within the week. Oh, so wow. it'll be interesting to see if that uh, – because they offered um, – the option to uh, for that for the week instead of just the individual day if you didn't get the day and uh, we'll see if they're if they can really extend their increased traffic from a day to a week. Mm. No, that'll be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, and as far as uh, the lightning deal, how how deep did you go of a discount? Uh, twenty. I have twenty five percent. Twenty five. Well, that's good. So yeah. I'm still making good margin off of it. It'll still, um, knowing my history on some of these deals, it should it will definitely cover the cost of uh, the um, expense of doing the lightning deal. Um, but it is that one time burst of uh, of traffic. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know how much it it will last in the future, but I think just Amazon especially for this time period, I think will give us some credit um, for participating. Well, and, and, you know, I, I hear you saying that, you know, a bunch, and I, I agree with that. And it's something that we've talked about, even with like sponsored product ads, like even though you might not, your ACOS might not be where it needs to be, 
there's a couple things that are happening. Number one, Amazon knows you're spending money with them to be seen. So that's number one. So I think they're going to give you a little bit more love for that. And then uh, organically, obviously, if people are clicking and going through, they're going to to uh, to start to be able to see you and start ranking as long as we get some sales made. But like you said, as long as you're investing, in a sense, into their services, which is lightning deals or sponsored product ads, there probably is going to be a little bit of extra love given. That's just my opinion. And from what I'm hearing, you kind of feel the same way. I do. Yeah. I do. And uh, I, I would say... Um, I, why I, th- I feel that way is in sponsored product ads, right? We started spending some money, we started seeing it working, and uh, we definitely we got the eyes of Amazon's attention, right? They called us up and said, "Hey, we have a rep for you to help you with sponsored products, and we have some tricks and tools that we want to teach you to help um, you grow your Amazon your Amazon sponsored product business." Gotcha. And uh, we're like. That makes sense. Let's uh, let's, let's do let's, it. Uh, let's play with it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they do pay yeah. attention to you, and they do care, um, and they want to. Again, they want us to spend more money on sponsored products, so they want to work out for both of us. Cool. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, all right. So speaking of sponsored product ads, um, another thing during Prime, uh, or I'm sorry, Prime Day, um, what's going to happen there with sponsored product ads? You gotta you gotta stop them. You gotta slow them down. You gonna you know what are you gonna do there? For the majority of them, I'm going to keep them exactly as is because, again, I, I coupled that with um, the, that little pricing reduction I took um, for my whole product listings during that time yep. period. If I was doing nothing, I probably would be very cautious and potentially um, pause them um, because I do, don't want that uh, unqualified conversion traffic going there if people are clicking around for deals. Mm. Um, but then I am creating a... Um, a couple new campaigns for the products I'm specifically marketing as prime day exclusives that we're pushing to our audiences. So it's basically trying to couple it with the email traffic I'm driving, the prospecting traffic I'm driving, sponsor products traffic. So if they search on my brand name or my, or the key um, top level keywords that these will be the products that show up at top. So um, that will drive the additional traffic. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Now that makes total sense too. Chris, did you want to speak to anything there or do you want to move on to the promotions? You know, I, I think it's interesting to, I'm also curious, Jason, to see how the prime week stuff goes. Scott, I know we have at least one lightning deal going live during that week. Uh, assuming we decide we still want to continue with it. Um, so Jason, I'm really curious to see how that happens. Then the other thing is, you know, just going back to using sponsored products to drive those listings. I think it does make sense that Amazon is going to give you better treatment. And I don't think it's just because you're, you, you know, it's, it's not just because you're spending money. It's because those listings are then showing all of the signs of a product that people are interested in, right? There's people coming to the listing, there's people buying, and Amazon also knows that you're actually, that you actually care about the products that you're selling, right? So you're kind of hitting all of those green lights. And I think that's really cool. As far as Prime Day products or Prime Day sponsored product goes, I'm still kind of on the fence, Scott, and I'm curious what your opinion is on that. I know last year I just turned it off. Um, because I didn't want to just spend through my budget first thing in the morning, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm still kind of on the fence about that. So I'm, I'm curious how, how Jason's results pan out, but with the massive increase in traffic that we saw previously, we did see, you know, a decrease in conversion rate and a decrease in the effectiveness of those sponsored product ads. But I'm curious to see what happens this year, too. Yeah. And well, I, I think also it depends on how much you're you're discounting your product that day. Right. I mean, if, right. It's, if it's a you know, if it's a deeper discount, that may be a different story. Um, and it might be something that you only run for three hours, you know, or six hours. You know what I mean? Like you can play around with the time you want to start it and stop it as well. 
um, which would be another idea. Um, so, okay, cool. So let's move on to promotions. Now, um, you have here that you're going to be running um, some different promotions. And what we're talking about is kind of like how you can set up those promotions to show up like, you know, buy two, you know, and, you know, get, uh, you know, 25% off or something like that. So what are you guys doing there? Yeah, we are doing a couple um, promotions that is buy more and save um, concept. And uh, I'm we've tried this before and it hasn't worked for us. And I have always been flustered by the promotions because it's it was historically not very prominent on the product pages and it was confusing of how customers even saw it or got it or understood it. So we had very poor results from it and in the past month or a few months, I'm not exactly sure when, it became much more prominent, um, the promotions uh, listing. Um, so we are going back to test uh, some of our strategies of uh, really buy more and save of products that make sense in that product listing. And part of that strategy there is, again, they... Amazon would is going to reward you for a higher session conversion rate, and they a lot of their conversion rate traffic is not based off the order; it's based off the units that you sell. So if I can sell two units instead of one, I'm going to get double the um, conversion rate. It's in the room box. Yeah, I, and I think I think that's interesting, and that's something we've been playing with as well. For those of you guys who aren't familiar with the changes to promotions, Jason, I think that was the understatement of the century. They didn't used to get prominent placement. They were buried, like <laughs> completely buried on the page, right? To the point where Scott, you and I tested for a while putting, you know, buy this, get this percentage off in one of the supporting images to get people to even know that it existed. Uh, and what Amazon did is they moved it on the listing directly underneath, is it underneath Scott or right above the pricing now? No, it's right, uh, right below it. So it's right, it's right below it, and it says buy one, get a discount on selected products. If you're doing a cross, a cross listing promo or buy one, buy two, get 25% off, whatever that promotion actually is will show up directly underneath that price now. And Jason, I don't know if you guys have started testing it since they made that change. We have, and we're actually doing some cross listing promos. So, you know, complimentary products, right? Uh, buy this garlic press, get the garlic saver for 25% off. And I'm seeing like three, four, five times more people taking it up, which it, you know, it's still not 5% or 10% of people, but if 1% of people buy my garlic press with my garlic saver, that is a huge boost to that, that conversion rate. And it also, uh, I've noticed, and this is completely anecdotal. I don't have, you know, total numbers to back it up, but within a few of those purchases, you'll start to see them show up in the frequently bought together. And when that happens, I see my uh, units per sale go up <clears throat> because people will actually see that in two different places then on the listing. They'll see it in the promotion, but they'll also see it in the frequently bought together. So yes, I, th that, I think that's going to be a big test for you guys. I was going to say, I, I think it's it's def definitely something to play around with, but uh, you know, it's definitely another option. And that's I don't know when that actually happened. I just kind of noticed it. I'm not, not sure when they actually implemented that. But it's definitely a cool feature now because it's not buried down below. It's right below the pricing. So we have a buddy of ours that has a pretty well, uh, or pr his product's selling re really well. I mean, like 35,000 sessions um, a month. So over 1,000 per day. And I'm like, we got to get other products like <laughs> lined up here for, for those people because it's free traffic, really, that's coming through that listing. So, um, so Jason, I know we've went on longer than we probably expected here. But man, your list is it's not even done. So what we got to do here, let's do this. Let's let's stop here and what we'll do is we'll come back and we will do an update on the Prime Day stuff 
and we'll we'll go and dig into your off Amazon campaigns because I really want to talk about that with you as well. But we'll do that maybe in the next session, um, which we'll have to hook up again after you get back from. Uh, I know you're going to be traveling a little bit um, and taking a little time off, but. I'm sure you're going to have some data to share with us. So is there any other thing that you wanted to add to this this segment uh, before we wrap this up? Yeah, I guess the one thing I would uh, want to say is um, some of the success I would say I'm having and kind of moving the team for moving the um, some of the shifting that we've been doing within our company to understand why Amazon is working for us is building a team and really understand getting them excited and involved and really motivating them to know why Amazon's exciting, why the, where there's growth, where there's opportunity and what success looks like. So I think it's uh, having the right people behind you, having the right people supporting you and uh, making sure that you have um, that structure built is how you can grow, um, how you can grow and develop and having um, really people understanding and learning it and listening to podcasts like you, um, like you guys are producing is critical. I would say um, part of my strategy in terms of getting people aligned with why this is exciting, what the movement, um, what the opportunity is uh, here. So uh, I want to thank you guys a, a lot for, um, for teaching people. And uh, I share podcasts, your po- podcasts uh, weekly with my teams. Um, listen to this. Here was a key segment I was trying to talk about that we were talking about in the last meeting and uh, how it applies to not the not just the the startup company that is trying to sell their or the startup individual who's starting to sell that first unit, but it applies to us who's trying to sell um, thousands of units. No. So. Yeah, it's that, that's awesome. And it's amazing. And it's it's funny when, when we had that, we, we actually lunched together and it was like, it was just interesting to hear that on such a large business, these, these same principles apply just at scale, you know, and like you said, you have a team in place um, now and it's like everyone kind of has their role, you know what I mean? And once they learn that role, now it's just a matter of like, all right, we got a new product. Now you got to kind of just take it through, you know, the process and now you have people in place. Um, now, if you're a one man show, you're going to be doing all of those different components. But when you get to the point where you can hire out, it might be someone that does that builds your listings and takes your, you know, and optimizes it and does all that stuff for you. You might have another person that just focuses on pay-per-click and really learns how to really move the needle there. Um, Maybe an email list builder, um, any of that stuff. But I agree with you, you know, once you get to that point to have a team in place that shares the same vision and can actually take this thing and, and kind of push it forward and get excited about it is, is, I mean, it's game over when you get to that to that level. And I guess we could probably do a whole nother episode on how to build a great team and get them motivated and get all that stuff. So we might have to do another one with you, Jason, because you've got a lot of different aspects here that I think could help a lot of people on startup, but also on growing and scaling a bigger uh, a bigger business. Chris, is there anything you wanted to uh, to wrap up with before we we say goodbye to Jason? I think the big thing and I know we're going to do it here at the end, but the big thing is start where you are. Right. There's some really cool things that Jason is doing. And I think we all can take some lessons away from some of the stuff that they're doing because they are doing it at scale. But don't let that get you bogged down. Right. If you're if you're launching a product, focus on building that launch list. And you guys know that Scott and I have been kind of hammering on that giveaway strategy recently because it works really, really well for us. In fact, Scott, since we've been on here in the hour that we've been on here, we've sold 20 units of that new product from that uh, from that giveaway email. 
that yeah. we sent right as we got on here. So guys, that that does work. If you're looking to launch a product, start there. If you have launched and you're looking to do some testing, like we were talking about with Jason earlier, you know, you're running PPC and PPC is working, but it's not ranking organically. Focus on that section. Go back and listen to it again. And he dropped some golden nuggets in there about their process and some of those kinds of things. So start where you are and, and focus on that particular section and go from there. Yeah, love it. Jason, I want to thank you, man, for taking time out of your day. I know uh, you are uh, just a very giving person. I really appreciate that. And uh, I definitely can't wait to follow up with you and uh, and hear some of those results from Prime Day and even just some of this, you know, off Amazon campaigns and stuff like that. So we're definitely going to have you back on. I just want to, again, want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your day, brother. No problem. Okay, so like I said, I wasn't kidding. That thing was packed with information and uh, lots of, of takeaways, action steps, things that you can that you can actually do right now. And I think it's interesting to listen to a business of that size and listen to the small things that they're doing to grow the entire business, right? It's not that just because they're bigger doesn't make it even more complicated in a sense other than their fulfillment side of things, but a lot of that is being done by Amazon and stuff, but they do have their own fulfillment. But the the tactics, the strategies, the things that they're doing can be used on a small business or a large business, which they've proved. And uh, again, I think you guys are gonna probably wanna grab the, the show notes and the transcripts to this. So I'm going to give you guys that link and then we're going to wrap this up. So theamazingseller.com forward slash 386 and you can download everything right there. I want to thank Jason one more time here publicly. He's an awesome guy and uh, we're going to have him back on for sure. We're going to do an update with him and get uh, get some of those results back from what he's testing and uh, we'll probably be updating ours as well because we're going to be doing some things similar to what he's doing. So guys, that's it. That's going to wrap up this episode. I know it was kind of a marathon, but uh, Jason is known for doing marathons, by the way, and he didn't even mention that. He did a 100-mile marathon. Insane. I guess that's not even a marathon. It's just a 100-mile death run. I don't even know what it's called, but he literally ran a 100 miles. A little side note there on Jason. The guy likes to run. Uh, All right, guys, that's it. That's going to officially wrap up this episode. Remember, as always, I'm here for you. I believe in you, and I am rooting for you. But you have to, you have to, come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud, take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode. 